to go into, let's call it the internal cauldron of my emotions. Welcome to the Internal Cauldron of Emotions, a Nick Cage tribute podcast. I am Erin. And I'm Tammy. We're two besties who love to drink and watch Nick's movies, so we combine our superpowers. Each episode, we pair a themed cocktail with the movie that we are reviewing. So join us as we journey into the internal cauldron of today's movie. For Cajun Roulette, we rolled Force Fun. Adaptation. Adaption. Not, not adaption. <laughs> adaptation. Adaption. And um, we're going to go all into it, but first we talk about the drink that we did, and there are so many cool ones that we found was, as we were researching. Mm-hmm. Some really fun ones. There's a lot of, like, flower drinks. Yes. I, which is what I Googled. Got really overloaded really mm-hmm. fast. I got decision fatigue instantly. I was like, you choose, Aaron. So tell us what you chose. So I chose um, a drink we are dubbing uh, the ghost, named Ooh. after the ghost orchid that Meryl mm-hmm. Streep's character, Susan, is super interested in seeing. And for once, it's not a pink drink. I know we did Yay! it, you guys. There Don't was get used to it. Directly below, the, the, there were two recipes I kind of fiddled with to make this one. And the, actually, the recipe drew low, Delow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Delow, this one mm-hmm. uh, was pink. It's directly below. <laughs> it's directly below. Yeah. It's Delow. Um, all right. So this is you're gonna need. Uh, of course, we doubled it, but this yes. is the original. Is one three quarter ounces of vodka, three quarter ounce of Saint Germain or elderflower liqueur of your choice, mm, so um, one and a half ounces of white cranberry juice. And a three-four ounce of lime. You just shake it all up and dump it in a glass. It was pretty easy peasy. Nice. And then so we have yet to taste. I'm very excited. It kind of looks like Sprite with no fizz. It does. So. It does. It's got a little gleam to it as well. It does. That's that swamp water. Mmm. Mmm. Delicious. Cheers, Cheers to Nick. To Nick. Ooh. I really like it. I also oh saw your God. face. I don't know if that's, that's rated for use, that face. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. So the St. Germain is like this really sweet, delectable flavor. But it pairs really Sorry. well with the lime juice. I just turned this into a No, no. I, you know what? Like, yeah, we're turning into ASMR. Um, if you, if you <laughs> ooh and ah enough, maybe mm-hmm. St. Germain will be like, you know what? Let's get those girls on board. As I've said many, many times, um, elder flower liqueur mm-hmm. is what I consider to be the ambrosia of the gods. Yeah. Nectar of the gods for sure. And it's mm-hmm. elderberry, which is, you know, healthy for you. You, you take the elderberry when you're sick. So yeah, we're but... actually helping our immune system right now, you guys. Yeah, I'm just going to drink this all. Oh my goodness. Gulp, gulp. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm. So let me cut you off from that real quick and ask you how you've been doing. Oh so then no, you can drink I've, the I've whole half. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so much. I okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna need another one of those. Okay, and I will say thank you guys for hanging in with us because yeah. we did take some time off, which you'll hear all about. I think we're like two weeks off, maybe even three. I think I, I don't really honestly, know, but I think, truly, I think we're only like a week off. I don't I don't really know. Time and mass is really hard. It's fine, um, but. We, we took some time off, so we definitely have a lot, but we, yeah. we, we won't tell you everything because no. we know you want to hear about Nick and adaption. Adaption. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how I've been, uh, 
It was a very long time to be without you, first off. Because Tammy went on her trip before <laughs> I went on my trip. And weirdly enough, like, two days before she left, I left. and Or she was supposed to be back the day I left. It was a whole thing. It was. Um, so, waiting for you to come home was fun. <laughs> I almost came over and, like, came over to your house and was like, do you need your plants spotted? I'm at your house. Um, <laughs> I, I think I should have asked you. I didn't want to bother anybody. We had neighbors helping us. I would have come over here and just, I probably I, jumped in your pool. <laughs> I mean, I know, but we did lose a couple of plants, so oh, I should have no. asked you, I know. I was worried about that, actually. I was like, I wonder how those plants are doing. <laughs> Um, I was like, her, her orchids haven't been... Isley, always looking out for Here us. Here I am. Um, <laughs> so I went to California to visit my friend Courtney and her, uh, crotch nuggets, uh, <laughs> who <laughs> actually I started calling them narcs because they figured out what like bad words are. And they were like, mommy is hustle a bad word. I'm like, oh I was like, God, you're such a narc. Hustle's not a bad word, though. He not, not, one of the kids narked on me because I didn't have my back, my seatbelt on on the very back seat. I'm like, just imagining all the things that you say, and I'm sure that you try very hard. Oh, I started a child filter, but still, I'm like, you would have got narked on. Oh, a lot. the first <laughs> five minutes with with Nate, I said fuck, and Courtney was like, ah, he he knows what all the words are. I was like, Josh. Fudge nuggets. Shart. Um, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> But so I started um, doing the good place. I called I called one of the kids a messy bench <laughs> and uh, forked this shirt and uh, and <laughs> I did say something else and Courtney was like he knows what that means. I was like I was like dart so dart darsh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was nice. I saw a bunch of hummingbirds. We went to a Ren fair out there, the Kronaberg uh, Ren fair. It's kind of like more of like a German because there was a guy who was like. Oh, yeah, you're here, yeah. And it was uh, like that. It was fun. And the kids had never been. And, like, I know that everybody thought that Courtney and I, like, those were our kids. And because the way, like, the kids kept, like, clutching to both of us randomly, mm. like, and I was had, like, my hand on one of their heads a lot because I was just like, please don't get lost. Yeah, don't. Don't, don't get away. lost. Um, but don't we become saw, a meat pie. Yeah, and I, I really got the eldest into heckling at the joust because you know I'm a champ and oh, I will yeah. fight. That's what we do. And that kid was about to go onto the field. <laughs> like the, the the opposing night, I was like, okay, we're going to boo him. Okay, we're going to boo him real loud. And he booed him louder than everybody else. And then he started reacting and then they were like booing back to each other. It was like this whole thing. Aww. And, and they, <laughs> like, we were like, this kid's, this kid's fucking intense, man. <laughs> um, that was nice, and, like, it was, we went on hikes, and uh, I went to a used bookstore, of course, because why not? Yeah, they have different books over there. Yeah, I got- Their books are banned. I got you an amazing book. You did. It's all about the making of Jurassic Park. Upon walking in, the first book I saw was, I just, I saw the corner of my eye, and I saw the red and black with the yellow, it said Jurassic Park on the spine, and I, the spine, and I- and backed up and grabbed it. And I was like, Courtney, look what I found. I turned around. It was not Courtney. And the lady <laughs> was that. like, oh, good find. And I was like, it's mine. You can't have it. It's mine. I found it first. It was the very first book, book I touched in the whole yes. store. Technically, because outside they had a card of like 50 cents children's books. Mm. So Courtney and I dug around to find some books for the kids. Um, That's a good deal. That's like a garage. Yeah, I did. I did miss my connecting flight going out there because mm. I don't know who designed. And I'm talking to you, Dallas. I don't know who designed the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, but why did you put a fucking airport around a mall? Oh, that sounds awful. Why did I That's have to I walk through Chanel stores? It's been awful every time. Like, 
the Dallas airport's really cool. It's yeah. got a lot of neat no, shit. No, they're in always it. pretty. But, but they're why always I have like to, fucked up and huge. Why do I have to take a monorail to get yeah. my fucking terminal? And my flight was late. And, but luckily I got on the next flight out, which is great. And I had more time. So I rewarded myself with a lovely Bloody Mary at the TJ mm. Fridays that was by my gate. Was it good? Because it we was always so say good, like, actually. Mm, sometimes we never know with Bloody the, Mary's. The guy. <laughs> I took a sip and was like, oh, God, that's good. And the guy was like nodding at me like yeah it is i know <laughs> I did that for you i made that for you <laughs> and like the hostess is at the because it's like more it's a sit down and they have like a to-go section um but the hostesses were like just for one and i was like oh girl i'm going to the bar i missed my flight they were like please go go oh they, they know i'm sure <laughs> yeah they, they were they were so it was it was a really nice trip when i got back and it was nice and titus acted like i i, I had been missing for 17 years and he just mm-hmm. found me and Ringo was happy to see me. I got um, some rocks from the ocean. I saw some tide pools. Hmm. Um, I identified a lot of birds. I saw some 50-year-old redwoods. Nice. They're, they're youths. They're little babies. They're little babies. Um, showed Courtney the first two episodes of Shit's Creek, actually, since she said babe. Yeah, and, and you introduced me to that. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I was like, Man, She's got an brush. Alexa right next to her TV. And I was like, oh, well, apologies in advance. Alexas. <laughs> Because Ringo's Kindle kept going off. I had to have him turn. I was like, Alexa, turn yourself off. Um, but yeah, it was. You are so brave to have things listening in on you. No, I don't. He didn't mean to. I, like, it, it just happened. It came with the Kindle. It was new. Mm. And it was. That's moon, how they get you. Moons ago. Um, but yeah, like, I obviously have so many more things because it's been 700 years and I missed you greatly and I'm so glad you're back. I know. I'm so. <laughs> I missed you. Not that I don't miss I any miss- of my other friends. It's like I see her every week, and then when I don't see her, I'm like, what day is it? <laughs> it's not Thursday. So Where is everybody? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am good, too. Thanks. I'm going to drink now. I know. I'm like, it'll be gone by the time I'm done. Um, so um, if you guys remember, both of us like had a lot of like really heavy stuff happen. And so for me, the reason we took this trip was because we we could all of a sudden with my mom passing it was super hard Mm -hmm. but i also didn't have that responsibility anymore and so fly free little bird right i i could just go and we want we we did a coast to coast trip it had been it was actually like five years ago to the dates that we were going and we went like all the way to the Grand Canyon Mm -hmm. and then we're like wow we're really close to Vegas let's go to Vegas and then we're like wow we're really close to California so there was a landslide or something. A chunk of the Grand Canyon fell off or yeah, something. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff happening everywhere. Mother is like, fuck you hoes. And I don't blame her. I had can. to teach the children that we're all children of Mother Earth. They are like, but I was born to a human. I was like, yes, but we're we live human. here on yeah. the Earth. Yeah, that's true. Gaia. <laughs> so it was sort of mixed feelings because I felt bad for going because I'm going because my mom died. But, like, should I enjoy this like freedom and it it was it was a lot and it's just something that you have to go through when Mm -hmm. when you you know deal with that kind of thing so our plan we were going to visit a family member out in california and we had like kind of planned everything and everybody was really excited and we didn't have the like it like in stone it was just like okay we're Mm -hmm. gonna come in a week yeah, or so, you seem like you're kind of aimless for a minute. Yeah, you're we like we're to like, gonna go look at buffaloes, right? And then it was like, okay, we're we're heading out now. We've got everything lined up. We're just gonna go. And then we didn't hear mm-hmm. from that family member. We're like, oh no. 
And then it was like, are they okay? Or did they suddenly decide they didn't want to be Aww. like our family members? Like, you know, because you never know that like, yeah. like these things happen. And it was like, well, we already have planned this trip. So we're just going to meander. And we, we thought we had unlimited time as well. So we just went, started going up north. I will tell you guys, when you think, oh, I'm just going to get in the car and drive. I'm just going to fucking go. Drive to see the sunrise. And there's all these movies as well that tell you yeah. how great it is. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. It's so terrible. I mean, maybe because we had dogs, but, like, it was just awful. Like, I hated staying in hotels because they're overpriced. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these hotels we really didn't feel safe in. Like, there were people walking by that were, like, shady, and we were in, like, a well, nicer area. I thought about you, and I was like, damn, I wish I should have, like, I should have bought you, like, a hotel safety kit. I mean, it was, we we had that. Before it was just left. like, I hope they don't try to steal, like, the Jeep or something. You know, it was just, mm-hmm. it's it just, I don't know. It, and it also happened with I feel Airbnb's. like you hear it, though, like. <laughs> I, I know, and it's like, <laughs> I will chase after you. But it's like, they're, one of the Airbnbs that we say, because we like to stay at Airbnbs because they're bigger. And Airbnb has this feature, it's called Instant Book. And these people are supposed to be set up so that it's, ready like, to it's go. ready to go. You don't have to ask permission. There's no going back and forth. And our first fucking night, we booked it. We thought we were good. And the girl, like we had paid for every, like it had, we were headed to it. We were Mm -hmm. 30 minutes away and the girl's like, "Mm, sorry, it's not available because like I let the people stay a day longer. I'm like, what the fuck? We're 30 minutes away. Why is it? And so, and then we tried to stay at a hotel and it was like a Memorial day thing. And it was just like, so party chaotic. And I'm like crying. We're, we're so tired. Yeah. It was that part of it was really hard and just trying to get used to being in a car and like dealing with three dogs and all that kind of stuff. So there were difficulties, which is now mm-hmm. where we're like, maybe I should get a camper. Yeah. Um, I, when you said that, I was like, oh, I'm never going to see them again. I'm so sorry. Every time you're out of school. <laughs> well, I've got the friend Amy, Amy and Johnny. They have a little they yeah, have a camper, okay, but then they bought like a little pop-up camper yeah. as well so that they could take it to smaller areas. Yeah. And like every time there's a holiday or anything, They're she's like, bye. Bye. She's I like, know. okay, we're going. Okay, bye. Yeah. I know because that Which, was the yeah, one great for them. I'm, we just meandered and we did have struggles, mm-hmm. but we, we also had really wonderful things. And we oh, yeah. we didn't yeah. have a plan other than we were going to go to California, but we hadn't heard from that person. We're like, well, let's just meander. So we went all the way up to South Dakota. Oh my fucking god! Mm-hmm. Like just open plains it's and scary looking valleys. It was not to me. I mean, like, it's beautiful but scary. Like I just felt like I kept looking out on this landscape, thinking what it was like before humans, mm-hmm. then the Native Americans. Where you know, it was just like I watched Prey last night, and I was actually thinking about <laughs> you going. So I don't know where that's supposed to be based in. Yeah, um, I don't know. Because Actually. there was all those, all those, I think it was buffalo. Yeah. That there were, so I was like, maybe it's So like I know that there's buffalo, like, kind of, like, all mm-hmm. across the area. And they're actually bison, I learned. Oh, Buffalo me. is the general term. Like, there's, like, the Asian water buffaloes and African water those buffaloes. Boys, yeah. yeah. And so, like, our buffaloes are called bison. So we just It's really... like the typhoon and a hurricane. It's the same thing, exactly. but it's European. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so we went. We really enjoyed South Dakota. We had no plan to go there. We went to several um, state parks. We saw prairie dogs. Oh, my God. They're fucking hilarious. Like, I just hear circus music as they're running around like, oh, shit, here comes the car. Like, going in and out of little do they make, holes and stuff. Do, do they make oh, they do this, like, barking sound, and it's this whole Is it, wait, situation. Like that, wait, where they're like, ha, 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 ha. Well, we didn't hear that, but we there's there's 
there's they all have different roles apparently the park rangers were telling me and so there's one that sounds the alarm and he like does it out loud and then he goes and starts barking into the tunnels mm-hmm. to let people know and apparently the pitch of his uh bark will oh. let them know how far away the threat is what he can tell distance yeah they're crazy Prairie dogs. so we were just driving around it's like where are the buffalo like, where are the buffalo like there's they're like, there's free free range <laughs> bison and they're like well we heard it was over there and we kept passing we were like on the dirt roads on the paved roads trying to find it was literally like jurassic park mm-hmm. like no. like no it's like um you are gonna have bison on this bison uh <laughs> tour. tour aren't you <laughs> and i like i think it'd been about two hours and just like i saw them he saw them i would have missed them he saw them like uh, on a ridge on the ridge on the ridge did it look like pepper and it did and i was like son of a bitch and so he like spun around in the middle of the road and like we kept passing they the use that cars. big jeep i know we kept passing several cars he like rolls out the way he's like do you want to see buffalo follow me like <laughs> you want to live get in the chopper so oh we go and God. find them but guys it was like the most fucking amazing thing i've ever seen it was just so amazing and and just so natural they were just grazing they were you know across the road it was this mm-hmm. huge herd like little bison little, babies little babies. like little they babies. were so big they were just staring at us and of course you don't get out people <laughs> and all these videos that try to like touch them don't be stupid like don't go touch them but this wasn't like yosemite where like you might be a little bit closer it was mm-hmm. like you obviously have to be an asshole to get out of your car and like try to go mess with them. So everybody was in their car, but mm-hmm. thankfully the Jeep is so amazing and had that nice little like convertible top that comes off. So like I'm just like standing up and I'm like in it with <laughs> them. And then it started thundering and lightning, which I know is dangerous and it rained, but it was just like this is what it was like. Mm-hmm. Hundreds thousands of years ago without before the jeep growling though. we no we had it turned off um <laughs> before you know man like started fucking things up like and then i just started bawling like i cried like those kids in the video mm-hmm. when they're like oh my god you got me a puppy and Josh was like <laughs> oh my god are you okay he's like it's okay you and it was raining and it was like raining and you're like i'm sorry it's raining he's like it's okay you okay this. the rain at least was raining not the mud puddle <laughs> you guys drove through the video putting, like all the mud puddles from the trails um so then we, we we found out that our family member they weren't ghosting us hooray Yay. they had also been hiking and like dropped their phone in the water and it was like dead and like had gotten like into poison oak it was like a whole situation Jesus. so as they were healing we were heading over poison there oak is like big in california it, it, it's see, like everywhere yeah, apparently ivy's here yeah what we do have poison oak as well but there it's like courtney was telling me she's like poison oak is fucking everywhere it's everywhere yeah. so um so then we went through like wyoming utah mm. got to see amazing beautiful sights um nevada the desert Mm -hmm. all that made it to california got to hang out got to see some really cool things found a really cool spice shop in this city called solving 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 like spice market like you just walk in and there's just like open barrels of spice everywhere i'm that kid who would probably try to stick my hand in all the spices i definitely wanted to like sniff them all like coke but i was like i'm pretty sure that's frowned upon um (laughs) and you know it was beautiful we were in the june gloom which you probably experienced Uh, yeah she called it uh yeah she called it uh, the end of the super bloom yeah Mm -hmm. so 
Um, you know, same thing, hiking, we saw some cool Yeah, June things. gloom and slash super bloom. So we, I got all that gloomy haziness and a few, which I got sunburn on my very I last day out there. See that. And then lots and lots of fucking flowers. Man. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we we walked a couple of times, uh, did a few hikes. The other exciting thing, in addition to bison, that I'll throw out there, is that as we were driving on US one, Jeff was driving, and I was just staring at the ocean. I'm like, I want to see a shark. I want to see a shark. I want to see a shark. Because it's so fucking hard to get like actually out to the ocean there. Mm-hmm. Like we had to walk. Oh, a I had mile to hike down to the dipoles to get to a fucking cliff, and then we had to like climb down like we were mountaineers. It was ridiculous. Um, but as we were driving, I was like, holy shit, I see a fin and I saw a giant fin and then I saw a small fin behind it and I was like, okay, okay. And it did not, (laughs) y'all, it did not dip. It was straight across. She sent me a, a message and she's like, I'm not telling Jeff because I don't want him to freak yeah, out. But we I were totally on the way to try to like just dip our toes. Like everybody yeah. has to stand in the Pacific. God damn it. Oh, I definitely almost fell into a tide pool <laughs> with anemone and urchin and mussels. The anemones. And it was <laughs> starfish. So it was definitely fun, but um, also glad to be back mm-hmm. talking about Nick, talking about our new it's been so long. Nick at night coming I have up watched to Renfield four or five times yeah now. i found it on dvd <laughs> so that's that's the next comfort thing i'm gonna watch she hates me she's disappointed i could see it in her eyes when we met i've got to stop sweating oh she looked at my hairline she thinks i'm bald she's thinking i would never in a million years sleep with this guy we think you're great oh thanks wow that's that's nice to hear Let's get started on the wonderful world of adaption, <laughs> also known as 2002's uh, drama hit. I'm not sure. Comedy-ish. What kind of, com- dramedy. It's a, it's a dark comedy. Dark comedy adaptation. Period. Period. Tammy, take her away, Ern. Mm. <laughs> so obviously, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. Mm-hmm. I watched this on my DVD. I used to have the DVD. Um, I watched where it on interdimensional cable. Okay. It's for rent. Yeah, I'm it's sure it's for rent. It's only for rent everywhere, everywhere. else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so as Aaron said, it's 2002. Um, well, okay. I'm just I'm just going to go into it because I don't want to steal your knickknacks because I do no, know no. a lot about this and I'll tell, share why I know so much about this. So... Like so many Nick movies, adaptation starts with a voiceover narration. <laughs> Apparently, it's been a character. common theme for many, many years. Um, and later in the movie, there's actually some references to voiceovers in movies. Is it what I wrote right there? And it's really, really <laughs> funny. So oh, I have I'll a let, about that. I will let Aaron share um, that because this film is... <laughs> About a screenplay, about a book, mm-hmm. um, about people. About like a process. It's, it's about a whole lot of things. Um, but this time, it's our main man, old Nikki Blue Eyes. But he's on this wild, self-loathing spiel. It's, it's like a train of consciousness, a train of thought. Yeah, and, but but it's super, super negative, like, appearance-wise, talent-wise. You know, like we all do. It's really just a regular Sunday evening for all of us mm-hmm. about everything that is wrong with us kind of thing. But then the movie very quickly transitions to the real-life set mm-hmm. of the 1999 phenomenal movie, being John Malkovich, and we see Nick's character, who is Charlie Kaufman, and he is a screenwriter on that movie. 
And then it continues with this whole, like, who is Charlie Kaufman? So mm-hmm. we see him meeting with a um, agent who's Tilda played Swinton. by the beautiful Tilda Swinton to discuss adapting Ooh. a novel called The Orchid Thief. And this book was written by Susan Orlean, who we're going to meet a little bit later, played by the amazingly, like, bitchy Meryl Streep. And I don't mean that she's a bitch here, but she's just, like, a badass bitch. Like, when I say that, I mean, like, the Elton John song, like, like the bitch is back. Like, I think of Meryl Streep. Well, do you remember I told you about that story about how Jennifer Lawrence was on set with her? Um, some movie, I don't know which one. Um, but they kept calling her the goat. And... <laughs> Oh, it would have yeah. been like, uh, Don't Look Up, because she was the yeah. president Don't yeah. Look Up. So she's like, she's, she, Meryl Streep's walking around like, yeah, I'm, I'm the goat, yeah. yeah. And and finally, she's like, J-Law's like, you know what the goat means, right? And she's like, oh, no. And she's like, she's the greatest so of all time. And she's like, oh. She's like, so Meryl Streep's just walking around <laughs> thinking we're all fucking calling her this old oh. goat. And like... Oh, poor Meryl Streep. I know. Precious, yeah, so she, she didn't say anything. She was just so nice to everybody. She's like, well, I guess that's just the way it is. In, in young Hollywood. Young Hollywood, now. they have all these new terms. <laughs> so uh, so if you saw the, I think it's just a year or two out, Don't Look Up, was mm-hmm. a really great movie that I don't feel like got what it deserved. It was It a was funny really movie. hyped. It though. was a funny movie about like shit that would actually Timoth- happen. Timothy Chalamet's in that one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like mm-hmm. kind of like science Armageddon kind of thing. Um, obviously she's in The Devil Wears Prada, she yeah. was in Iron Lake, she's been in a million, she's she, been everywhere. Yeah, she, and I think like the big early thing that she was in that I saw her in was in Sophie's Choice and Wolf, that is a great movie, but it's, I'm trying to remember my first Meryl experience. Really hot, <laughs> and then also one of my favorites is, uh, Scott Goldie Hawn, Death Becomes Her. <gasps> oh, oh, so God, good. That's, you know, I didn't see that until I met Ringo. He showed what? it to me and I was like, that's weird because I love Goldie Hawn oh and my God. I love Meryl Ringo. Oh, just got so many points on my back. I know. We watch it actually probably like once or it's twice a year. So great. It's so you know they're great. remaking it, right? And Kate Hudson's supposed to play Goldie Hawn, which tickles me because that's her mom. I mean, that's cute, but don't redo <laughs> I know. Things. I'm so fucking tired of things being redone. Sorry. But anyway, off track. Yep, we're off track. Um, So Nick's character, Charlie Kaufman, is having to adapt into a screenplay her novel called The Orchid Thief. And... Charlie has this very clear vision as he's talking with Tilda Swinton's character for his adaptation. It's the opposite of a Hollywood blockbuster with guns and drugs and the proverbial romance. Like, he wants it to be a story. He wants it to be Mm -hmm. about the beauty of flowers. He wants it to be this really deep kind of situation. Um, And it's not maybe exactly what they want. But they're also trying to, like, give him leverage. They're like, okay, that also Mm -hmm. sounds great. But we were thinking, yeah. and then you kind of see where it's like, at the same time, they just kind of want money. Because he's like, I don't want this to turn into a drug movie, or a crime movie, or a, a romance movie. Which is really ironic and, when yeah, you get through when, yeah. everything. And <laughs> he's like, I don't want all these things. I want it to be raw, because there's not... He's like, I'm going to take the unadaptable book and turn it into a, a movie, a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so, like, confident in his head. He's like... You're so fat. You're so you're bald. Yeah. And maybe if I got a hair implant, and I'd be happy. And maybe blah blah blah, I'd be happy. And but then he's like, oh, I'm confident when I talk to her. But he's like sweating bullets. Yeah. And... And he's like, stop sweating. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, that doesn't work. I've been there, buddy. <laughs> so you can just you say, can't it, just stop say it, and it happens. <laughs> so the next we see Susan, who is Meryl Streep, 
Um, and this is years earlier, we can kind of gather. And she's at her little typewriter typing this story that turned into the Orchid Thief in a high rise. And then it transitions again. Like, you really got to keep up to Florida. Florida! Austin, where we, the story really begins for her Orchid Thief. Mm -hmm. And we get to meet said Orchid Thief. Mm -hmm. So we meet this person named John LaRoche, who is played by Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper. Um, who has also been in a million things. Mm -hmm. He's been in like all the Born Identities. He's been in Syriana, a whole bunch of those kind of action films. I feel films. like he was in, wasn't he a, a, like a cop in something or an FBI? He, yeah, he's, he usually plays like law detectives. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of that, which I'll also get into, like just, I have some sort of personal knickknacks in that. Okay. It's just like, I guess more like personal connections. He was in this really great movie called called Lone Star. Oh my god, dog, shut up. Um <laughs> which I in my one of my college film class we watched because it's such a great movie about transitions from time periods and mm -hmm. it would be like you're looking at it zooms in on a chair and then it like goes to another chair and then it's like you're in a different time. They mm -hmm. just have really smart ways instead yeah. of doing Three years later. Like this one. <laughs> like this one and like Well, we I feel all like do. this one bounced around. It, it really, yeah. No, you couldn't do that kind of transition, I think, for every single one of them. Yeah, because it would be like, too Ugh. hard. Yeah, it would be too hard. So Three years later. Everybody's been in a whole bunch of amazing films. So we meet John LaRoche, who's searching for rare orchids and flowers, but he's doing it on protected state land. And he comes strolling out with these sacks of flowers with fellow thieves who happen to be... Native Americans. And of and course, they were the Seminoles. Yeah, they were the Seminoles. Mm -hmm. So a state uh, park ranger kind of pulls up and is like, mm, excuse me, sir, like, what do you think you're doing? And <laughs> it's like the biggest spiel I love, I've ever heard. Like, I, I, we, we, like, Nick's performance is phenomenal. There mm -hmm. is a reason that Chris Cooper, everyone, let me just stop, everyone was nominated. For an Oscar. Meryl Streep was, Nick was, and Chris Cooper was. But there is a reason why Chris Cooper won. Because this character is so kooky and he plays it really well. And he's like, well, actually, he starts bringing up all these several court cases yeah. that cite <laughs> the precedence that allows indigenous people the ability to take from the land because it was originally theirs. And so he because he is with them, is allowed to do this as well. And it really shows how conniving he is because mm -hmm. when you first see him, he just looks like literally this sort of toothless good old boy. But he yeah. has so much figured out. Yeah, he's, I feel like he's almost a little bit like, uh, like almost a little bit like Damon where he's just got these, these, this information just stored and so, ready. Yeah. Because he, he knows, like, the scientific names of oh, yeah. so many, like, plants, animals, fish. Yeah, as you, like, as, as the story progresses and we pulls this stuff out of get him. to know everybody, mm -hmm. he knows so much about, like, the orchids themselves, the different um, mm -hmm. species, which there's, like, thousands of them. Yeah. Um, like, how they, like, procreate, where you would find them, all kinds of stuff. But it also talks about, like, he had, like, other interests as well. So then we bounce back. Now we're back to Charlie. He's working on this script and we get to meet his brother, who is his twin. <laughs> twin Nicks, y'all. Twin Nicks. We got double Nicks. Oh my gosh. Double the trouble, double the fun. Um, and you can immediately tell how opposite they are. So it's Donald. Donald is yeah. the twin. 
And Donald is the complete opposite of Charlie. Donald is loud. He's obtrusive. He's completely oblivious. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, it's, it's in a sweet way. Like he doesn't realize he's doing it. He's not intentionally doing it. He's not doing it to be mean. Mm -hmm. And stick with me because I know that there are people like, well, you should know and you should and you should be aware of your surroundings. But every time that Charlie points it out, he apologizes and he like truly seems sincere. Like like yeah. he seems like a little kid that's still trying to kind of figure things out. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't realize that. You can tell how much he looks up to Charlie. He just wants his approval. Um, but it's also hilarious. Like he just kind of burst in. Yeah, and he's as, always so like chipper and happy. He's all well and... because they are the exact opposite, you know. And he, when we first see him, he's like coming in. He's like, I want to tell you about my day, but my back hurts. Hold on. He's like crawling in. He has to like lay on the floor. He's like, Sorry, my back hurts so much, but I really want to listen to what you have to say. And it just reminds me of Jeff. Like every time his back hurts, he's like, <laughs> Hold on, I gotta lay on the floor, but I'm super listening. So that's like a real thing. Um, Donald comes in, he's eager mm -hmm. to tell Charlie about his day. And then in this particular scene, it's a big deal because he tells Charlie the big news that he too is going to start screenwriting just like Charlie, totally interrupting Charlie's thoughts, totally mm -hmm. interrupting his process it, that he was in. Yeah, he he like he bursts in and he's he's he it just the way he comes in, it's it's He's if somebody oblivious. did that to me, I'd never, I would never get back on train. I'm like, I would never. And and we see Charlie struggle with that a lot mm -hmm. too. Um, he shares his idea, which is really this kind of mashup of several thrillers. He's like, hey, we're gonna, and then we're gonna, and he's now he's got a recorder so and it's coming out of his mouth instead of well, he, <laughs> instead like, of a so voiceover. Like, Donald is just like so excited about the story, but Charlie is the dream crusher. All the time. I'm getting them already mixed up. Yeah, so, so Char Charlie Charlie is the Somber. neurotic intellect. Donald is the oblivious fool. Like, that's how I looked at them. Like, they're just... I mean, that's right. Of, yeah. So then we see Charlie continue to torture himself over the script. Mm -hmm. He's just, like, trying to get started because it's difficult for him. And it's we the hear, whole unadaptable. Right. It's, it's a nonfiction. It's a nonfiction book about her article that got turned yes. into a book. But then her thoughts are all put into the book. So mm -hmm. it is a very difficult thing to begin with. Um, but we hear his inner monologue, and it is so relevant. He's like mm -hmm. so hungry. He's like, I want coffee. I want a muffin. Mm, a banana nut muffin. Yeah. And then he's like, should I eat now? No, I should write first and then reward myself. That is like, what it's like inside of my brain. <laughs> I was like, if I had a dollar for how many times I had that conversation, I'd be a millionaire and I wouldn't have to work. I think I had a 30-minute conversation with myself <laughs> in my head earlier about why I shouldn't go get a bag of Doritos. Well, and it's just like how many times have we all been in that situation, especially when it's something difficult or something we just don't want to yeah. do. You know, that's why I feel like this movie seems so kind of unbelievable at times, mm -hmm. but it is also so relatable at the same time. So then we're jumping back to Susan, who's at a dinner party in the past with her well-to-do friends. Did you happen to notice any key person from that? All the well-to-dos? Well I looked at the cast list. And I saw a lot of very familiar and recognizable friends. Uh, however, I may have been writing during that time. And I was looking. I was watching, for sure. 
It's Doc Jones, who is in a bajillion different things. Never see him really as himself. I know. That was what was so interesting. He's always some like crazy, creepy like person or monster. So Kristen, wrong cat Kristen. Wrong cat. She has a um, intense love for him in like a mm. sexual way oh well she, i don't know that we were supposed to share that on air but it's okay she would be, she would be thrilled <laughs> she talks whenever she talks about him she talks about him the way we talk about nick but in a non but we talk about him in a non-sexual way oh my um we'll have yeah, to get her back on air <laughs> whenever so he was most recently played the baron in um what we do in the shadows oh yeah and he actually shows up as himself at one point and i was like kristen 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 <laughs> so it's exciting so they're at this dinner party and doug jones is there as doug well. jones is there um and they're you know talking about how crazy laroche is his redneck life his stinky van they're all having mm-hmm. this good they're laugh like, he's about such a him. weird wacky character because they're all so fancy and they're like they can't imagine what it's like and she excuses her to the back excuses herself to the bathroom she's like oh i'll tell you more when i get back like they're enjoying making fun mm-hmm. of them and then she looks in the mirror and it's like you know a few seconds and then boom Everything melts away, and she just has this. She, huge, her face goes from like happy to like, huh. like this epiphany of mm-hmm. like how shitty her life actually is, and she kind of like starts to realize how empty her life actually is. And she says she wishes she, that she had something that she felt so passionate about, like Laroche, even though he's down he's quote. gone through so much, and he seems so crazy to normal people. He has such passion in his life, and she mm-hmm. has absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wrote here, I was like, LaRoche is passionate about things, but drops them as soon as he's over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's like he he's had so a passion about uh, turtles yeah. when he was a kid, and then it moved to tropical fish. And uh-huh. he talked about, like, in, when she was interviewing him in one of the scenes, he talked about the fish, and he was like, go scuba diving and all yeah, kinds of stuff. And, and then he was like, and then I was done. And, and then I was just, just over it. He's like, when I'm done, I'm done. He's like, I never she, stepped foot back in the ocean again, but I love the ocean. She was so baffled by it. Yeah. Like, she's like, how do you just stop loving something so much yeah and he's and like what well, I, I, I just do I just it turn it off so as we we see as the story progresses like susan is continuing to interview him in the past and we learn that underneath his bravado is this really tragic story that led him to where he is now and i don't want to give that part away but um <laughs> a little bit of a trigger warning only oh, because yeah yeah when i re- so i saw i actually saw this first film the the film for the first time when i was in college and it was a film group kind of thing and it was like we we were watching new films together mm-hmm. so i thought oh my god this movie is amazing and then there's this one uh scene i i, I feel like i'll tell you guys there, there's a, like a car crash <sighs> I forgot about it. I, I must have already that, pushed it that's out That's the head. thing that I remember when I think of adaptation mm-hmm. is first that scene, second, everything else. It's amazing about it. It is very hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It's very upsetting. It's like it's it, it's really graphic kind of thing. And so like that's part of like what brought him to the chaotic version that you see now. Yeah. And I feel like the film is all about things are not what they seem like. Charlie is exactly what he seems, mm-hmm. but I feel like everyone else is not. 
I and have that's what's so information. Oh my god, Nick Nuggets. <laughs> Nicholas um, Nuggets. And that's what's so interesting about this film. There's like four stories that are woven together, and most of the time that turns into like a hot mess of like shitty food well, mixed together that tastes terrible. But this is just done so well. You've got Charlie struggles with his anxiety and his self-doubt. Like, so much that it cripples every part of his life from work to family to love mm-hmm. on top of, like, how do I make this fucking story? Donald, on the other hand, says yes to everything, and it leads to the best possibilities for all aspects of his life. Including like, the best line he he dropped during this? Oh, are, are you, I was like, should I'm I? waiting. A little push, push in the bush <laughs> while he's doing this, like, <laughs> gyrating hip to, swirl to thing. Maggie Gyllenhaal of all beautiful Oh, yeah, babes. so Maggie Gyllenhaal's in this. <laughs> Judy Greer is yeah. in this. Um, it's like, it's... Catherine Keener has, like, yeah, a, a, a little, little part. Little part, little. like, it, it's great because... I didn't realize it was her at first until later on when she was... Like Donald's at the house with Maggie. I mean, Jill I knew Hodge. it was all the scenes, yeah, from, like from legit John, um, from being John Malkovich. Yeah. but then you see her again as well. Which when when I well, she's like hi before, and I've I've truly only recognized her as as the woman she is today, and it's been so long since I've mm-hmm. seen her young. I that sounds terrible. Oh, but you know God, what I mean. No. <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> I I, know. I really remember it her. It was different times. It was different times. This BC. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, like, whenever she spoke, I was like, oh, my God, that's her. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Susan, who's stuck in this monotonous relationship and career that all seems illustrious on the outside, mm-hmm. but really is so hollow. And then you have LaRoche, who also seems like this crazy, like, redneck maverick, but it's only because everything was ripped away from him before. So it's mm-hmm. it's really big, deep stories that could be their own movie Mm -hmm. they're shortened they're interwoven yeah and it still works so fucking that's what i was gonna say it's like in the beginning you see him talking to tilda swinton's character about like what he doesn't want what he wants the movie to be Mm -hmm. and then like as the story progresses and as he starts to figure out what he's doing and as he reads the story more like you can see you can see it in the movie like mm-hmm. it's it's like it's almost subconsciously happening yeah, exactly it's, yeah it, it's like when you read something and then you accidentally say it or put in your own work mm-hmm. like you didn't mean to it's just happening it now. just happens because it's already in your brain kind of thing mm-hmm. so as donald crazily enough starts to find success with his formulaic script everybody's losing their shit over it mm-hmm. they're like oh my god we're gonna give you like oh 1.5 mil it's the newest murder mystery oh movie. it's so good well, Charlie, who is this staunch, you know, like this is anti-formulaic writer, will he be able to overcome all of his fears? Will he be able to overcome the flaws of the Orchid Thief to be able to make a good script? When he goes to meet Susan, mm-hmm. will he even be able to get the gumption gumption to talk to her to be able to do the right thing or is he gonna live in his fantasies or will he just stay in his fucked up little mind will he fail to adapt (gasps) that was a good one that was really good Charles, is that you did you eat lunch i had that shrimp cocktail in the fridge was it yours i hope not i couldn't remember so i ate it Maybe we should write our names on our food items from now on. What do you think? What's with you? My back. 
Hey, Charles, you'll be glad. I have a plan to get me out of your house pronto. The job is a plan. Is your plan a job? Drum roll, please. I'm going to be a screenwriter, like you. Okay, I know you think this is just one of my get-rich-quick schemes, but I'm doing it right this time. I'm taking a three-day seminar, and it's only 500 bucks. Screenwriting seminars are bullshit. What a wonderful, well-done version of is this there ever a time woeful... Either one of us would be like, that was fucking stupid. I mean, truly, <laughs> truly there have been times I'm like, that was a stupid one. For myself. Because, oh my gosh. Because you remember that one where it was like half a page that I typed up and you were like, that's it? And I was like, uh-huh. I'm done. <laughs> that's all I wanted to do is not talk about this movie or think about it ever again. I don't even remember which movie it was at this point. Um, so now we shall move into our... Plate of knickknacks. I'm very hungry. I have a, I have a plate. Like I listen, It's a lot. I listened to two interviews. Plates. I've got two and a half pages mm. of... Um, did you oh. bring any dipping sauce? I did. Uh, some old EB dipping sauce. Mm. There we go. I got it for you. All right. <clears throat> Nicholas Cage has said that during filming of this movie, he ignored all of his acting instincts and played the part of Charlie Kaufman exactly as Spike Jones, the director, asked him to. And he then received an Academy Award nomination for it. Oh, do you think that hurt a little bit? I have another piece later, <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna sandwich these I, things. I so. definitely think if you've watched any of Spike Jones films, you know that he has a very specific vision for everything, kind of like the Coen Brothers. So I do mm -hmm. feel like if you were gonna listen to anybody, he would be one to listen to for sure. Yeah. Um. So I have these two. I kind of sandwich together because it kind of shows Charlie Kaufman's true. Um, his true doubts about himself. And I feel like that's like the best. I have these two nice knickknacks here. Um, excuse me. I have I have the drink burps. Mm. Um, so Ron Livingston, which everybody knows from Office Space, he plays like this talent agent or some. I don't know. You see that girl? I fucked her up the ass. Oh, God. I forgot. <laughs> I haven't watched Office Space in so long. No, that was from Adaptation. Oh, my God. It was. <laughs> I was like, he said that? No. <laughs> Uh, no, what, what was it? Uh, yeah, I'm just not going to go into work anymore. What yeah. about your bills? Yeah, I'm just not going to pay him anymore. Who's not going to pay him anymore? I mean, is he wrong, y'all? I, I feel his pain. <laughs> um, so Ron Livingston plays Marty Bowen, who is inspired by the real talent agent um, by the same name. Um, and so in the movie, uh, Ron Livingston's character, Marty Bowen, is like, no, yeah, dude, you should do this. It's going to be great. Like, And then... And, and Kaufman was like, no, I can't. And then he did. He did. He, he tried did. to get out he of it. He nailed it. He nailed it. So a follow-up to that is that the obviously the movie's based on the struggle of Charlie writing this this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got the writer's block, and he, he was saying the, the book lacked that dramatic structure needed for an actual movie. And... So he decided to write the screenplay about himself, which we mm -hmm. which we see in the movie. I swear this is leading up to stuff that you mm -hmm. didn't talk about. Okay. <laughs> but it's leading. Um, he obviously exaggerated many of the story elements and characters and making up new ones, such as his non-existent twin brother, Donald. Mm -hmm. Non-existent. For folks who didn't know that he doesn't exist, 
at all. So the point you're trying to make is that Charlie Kaufman is a... No, I'm almost there. Okay. <laughs> all right. So knowing that the producers would reject the idea, he did not tell them about the new direction he went for in the screenplay. He just wrote it as he wanted to and just was like, here we go. See you later. <laughs> Which I was like, okay, you don't have any balls or you don't have it. You're like, you think you're not that great. And then you do this. Yeah. That's kind like, of a ballsy move. So that ties into the whole like Bow and Betty could and, or he, that he could and he did. And Charlie thought, no, I couldn't. Um, so, uh, so even though the movie was supported by Spike Jones, Kaufman said he thought it was going to end his career. Mm -hmm. He thought it was going to end his career. And like, I just, I love that those two people were like, you're going to nail this. It's going to be amazing. And he's like, no, it's going to suck so hard. But he went on to write The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I'm thinking of Ending Things, which is a movie now mm -hmm. on Netflix. It's really amazing. Also a book uh, adaptation. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a story. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was a short story. I didn't look too I hard into it. it was a short story. Um, but he's most recently working on an animated film called Orion, Orion in the Dark, which is coming out next year, and Werner Herzog's in it. Oh, my God, y'all. I'm Werner so excited. Herzog. Yeah, so the, the point, if we're not getting it, for anyone who is just like, what? Charlie Kaufman is a real fucking person. He's a real, he's a real person. And he's a real screenwriter. And the movie is, has a fake, an imaginary Yeah, fake. so he's, he's a real person. He's a real screenwriter. Mm -hmm. He really did being John Malkovich, which was this fucking mind-blowing. This is damn near a real life. This is, and this is almost a non-fiction. Yeah, yeah, adaptation was a couple of years after mm -hmm. that. And this was like his whole life. Yeah, Susan the, or, the or Orleans real. The, the Orchid the book is, is real. real. Yeah. John LaRoche is real. Yeah. It's um, crazy how much of it is real. It's re yeah, but you you definitely need to do. I, we don't want to ruin it for you. You'll probably watch mm -hmm. it and then you can find out what's what's what else yeah. is, is real and unreal because <laughs> it gets a little wild at the end, y'all. So those all those pretty much came from IMDb, but this is my own personal like. This is your research. Yes, this is my own, like, my own thoughts, musings, if you will. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. So Charlie Kaufman wrote, being John Malkovich, of course, mm -hmm. and he wrote on, he did the Eternal Sunshine, he did Think of Many Things, and then I was like, well, what did Spike Jones? Because we all recognize mm -hmm. the name Spike Jones. Mm -hmm. um, so he's primarily directed music videos and short, like, little shorts before mm -hmm. directing his very first feature film, which was being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. He then... Uh, went on to film Where the Wild Things Are, and his last film that he did, it was in 2013, was Her. Yes, I fucking love that movie so much. So he did music videos for Arcade Fire, for I said from Arcade Fire to the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, because literally yeah. it's alphabetical you could go. He's done Beastie Boys. He's done... Yeah, uh, like, he does all this he really, does like, amazing shit. Yeah, and I was just like, that's insane to me that mm -hmm. he did all this. Such and, like, a creative mind. That's but, what I love about this film is that... But he's only directed, like, five the movies. The film is creative, and every, like, aspect of it is, has so much creative talent and mm -hmm. various aspects of it. Um. So, let's see. Oh, so we sort of mentioned, or Tammy sort of mentioned this in her synopsis, was about voiceovers. <laughs> so, in the movie, John... Or, um, excuse me, John Malkovich almost said. <laughs> um, Brian Cox plays a man called Robert Robert McKee, which is the guy that Donald goes to for his uh, his screenwriting mm -hmm. seminars or he's whatever. He's like, oh, my God, he's so smart. Once again, Robert McKee is a real person. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. that he's a exciting. real person. So in the movie, 
It's Brian Cox, who is amazing. So amazing. And Robert McKee actually said, get Brian Cox to play me, please. There's also a lot of funny lines like, I wonder who's going to play me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I Brian... hope it's Gerard Depardieu, <laughs> yeah. but without the accent. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to go, oh, what about Nicolas Cage? Um, but Brian Cox, as Robert McKee, in the movie at one of the seminars, says, God help you if you use a voiceover. It's sloppy. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Like, the whole movie's a fucking voiceover. <laughs> like, it's it's almost like a joke of itself, yeah. as well as this really deep shit. So, now, because Robert McKee's still running around doing his thing, or he was at the time that this was posted on IMDb, he now makes a point to say that he is not against the use oh. of voiceovers, despite what Charlie Kaufman says. His point was that voiceover narration must add to the story, not describe it what's already being seen. Otherwise, there's no point. That is true. It's true. It's That's true. true. It but like, I love that. I just love it so much. Yeah. That now he's like now in his seminars. He's, he's like, like well, hem hem. <laughs> let me actually. just make. Let me just fix this. <laughs> um. So actually, the real Charlie Kaufman shows up in the movie. <gasps> I did not see him. I did not notice him. So during filming, when um, when they would do the, they'd have to, obviously they'd have Nick and Nick together in one scene mm-hmm. shown together. Um, what they would do is they have like he had a, um, he would record his one brother, and then he'd have like the mic, mic, earphone, whatever in his ear. And he would, they would do a playback, and he would react to that, and it'd be like a baseball or whatever dangling right, right, right. in front of him. Um, but no, in, that's me. That's my. That's me. I'm the baseball. I'm the baseball. Um, but what in one of the scenes? There's, it's Charlie and Donald, and Donald is standing in front of a mirror, and that's Charlie, the real <gasps> what? Charlie. That's so great. I know. I was like, damn it! I didn't even I notice. I did not notice that. Um, so Susan Orlean, the real Susan, mm-hmm. was actually strongly opposed to making the film. Of course. Yeah, no. <laughs> she Of course. Of course. But she when you watch up, it all the way through and you should yeah. like I will I know like we had two different thoughts. Like Aaron was like It was slow and Aaron then was like, up. Fuck, this movie is slow. Mm-hmm. And then the next message, it's good, but it's <laughs> it's real slow. And my reaction was just like Andy Dwight face, like, the whole time. I was just like, <laughs> oh, I forgot all about this, and it's so great. Well, like, what? And it's just it's just two different, like, versions. So, like, you're not wrong, because Chef was like... It's slow. He was like, uh, okay, like, The last, like, half I'm of the movie go. is like, yeah, I'm in that, it. Yeah, and then, and then he was like, I had to rewatch it, because mm-hmm. he was like, what happened in the end? Jeff. Um, it's okay, let me but, do notes. Okay, so, <laughs> to, to be fair, when I saw this movie... I, I bought it on DVD mm-hmm. when it came out. DVD. So it was like 2003. I was not even graduated high school yet. I watched it like three times. Oh, man. Why do you have to put it out there like that? No, I, I had to put it out there because I had to say what it what a tiny, dumb mind I had at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, this yeah, movie's I was weird. College. I was at college. I was, this movie is I weird. I was an idiot child who was obsessed with like, like dyeing my hair and... Being friends with everybody. But, yeah. You were friends with everybody? Girl, I actually was a friend with, like, all the groups, weirdly. Mm. Even though I had, like, fuchsia hair. No. And my friend give my friend gave me cornrows one time. <laughs> I still have it. I don't think you're allowed it. to do that anymore. No, she... Okay, but my friend did it. She did it to me. She is African-American, it was, it was so she allowed it. <laughs> um, I was part of her crew. I was her friend. 
No, I know, I know. I, I was on the basketball team, so I was part of a crew too. I was like, no. fuck yeah. Yeah. I was like, like, let's we were... go fuck shit up. They're like, no, you can't come. I was like, oh, <laughs> you're what? No, I was good. <laughs> I was like, I want to come. When fuck she's shit like, you too. want me to give you cornrows? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then she's, <laughs> so sorry, off topic, but she gave me so cornrows and I was like, oh, it's so tight. And she's like, girl, I went easy on you. And I was just like, oh. Well, thank you. <laughs> like, oh my Hard God. Life. So props to everybody who gets cornrows or braiding and like that. Cause y'all, y'all scalps are made oh of gosh. metal. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm so impressed. I'm impressed. Um, so Sozin didn't want, she was like, I don't want this to get made into a film. Are you fucking kidding? Um, so she ended up reluctantly approving the production, but was ultimately very impressed with the final result. Um, in 2012, she stated that reading the screenplay was a complete shock. I can <laughs> And her first reaction was absolutely not. <laughs> I can't blame her. Again, you guys watched the whole film and like... You'll see why whole Susan was like, no, no. They, and they were like, well, why not? And she's like, are you kidding? Let me just go ahead and start on the list. And she, she also thought that this was going to ruin her career. Yeah. Everybody thinks that this was going to ruin their careers, which I, I love. I definitely see it from her because mm -hmm. so much of it is it's been, embellished yes. a lot in the end. And it's like crazy and it's bonkers. But people don't know that and mm -hmm. if people are like like you've just google oh shit that's a real book oh shit she's a real lady yeah and you're like damn look what this white ass lady did in the swamp <laughs> like Sweet that you, you she know you're coming here with the tan i know <laughs> i know um you know that's how that's as far as people go mm -hmm. it's just they look at a name they look at two things mm -hmm. and then suddenly you know you're, so you're a swamp lady she's a swamp lady in love with a toothless chris cooper <laughs> But, uh, so she, she loves the movie now, now. In the beginning, she was like, mm, I don't know. Had to grow on her. Yeah, it had to grow on her. Truly, I mean, like, when I first watched it, I was like, huh? Like, what? I, I, what, I was like, little was, like, baby. Yeah, I was like 16, 17. Like, yeah. how fuck old was I? Um, so <laughs> Meryl Streep said the screenplay for adaptation was the best she'd ever read. Wow. Ever. At the time. I don't know if that's still the case, but this, at the time we'll that this it. was shared. Um, so we don't have any who almost played Nick's character. But I we do. Do have wait, you do. Okay, hold on. Let me do this one, and okay. you can do yours. You go. you go first. Okay, so uh, the role of uh, John Laroche was almost played by someone else, but then he backed out at uh, the end, and he said he thought he was wrong for the part. So, who do you think that might have been? Uh, I'll uh, give you a hint. Yeah, give me a little bit. Of okay, it's just two thousand. Two, I'll give three. you a hint. He starred in one of Spike Jones' later films. That's not how. He only has done like five films, and I named them. Was it um, ba -ba 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 -ba, Joker, Johnny Cash, Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, <laughs> you got he it. He would have been so wrong. No, like, I know. I, I love know. him so He's much. He's fantastic. And people were like, "He can't pull off Joker," and I was like, "I think he can," and he did, y'all. Um, I'm, I'm worried about the next one, but we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, so he, wow. uh, but Chris Cooper obviously got the Oscar for his winning performance. Yes. It was amazing. Which I'm like, would that have been as amazing if it was Joaquin Phoenix? Mm. No. No. It, Chris Cooper had to, to. He Chris embodied Cooper, it. Fuck, he embodied it. it. He did such a great job. That's a really interesting take on, um, LaRoche. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, it would have. I feel like he was too 
honestly, I feel like he was too young. I feel like, y- even though, yeah, and and like I, uh, we did not get a chance to see it. It was at our amazing movie theater that we love, Sunray. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it was out really uh, quickly, and it might have been even when I was out of town. The Bo is Afraid, which is Joaquin Phoenix's newest film. Oh, and he looks so old because he has he gray hair, mm-hmm. and it just sort of is like wiry. So I, I feel like he maybe is even older than us and by us maybe and me i feel like he might be like early like late 40s early 50s now so but i mean yeah. to even say back then but i mean I this was know. over 20 years ago yeah i guess so i don't know i just i do feel like he was he just i don't know that he could have pulled off this like the level the rednecky level mm-hmm. that chris cooper did yeah. As amazing as he is. I mean, he looks like somebody I would see just driving around. Man, he looks like somebody from, like, OP. Yeah, I would be like, that's a Middleburg, man. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Sorry, Middleburg. Um, yeah, I mean... It you just, guys are up and coming. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Like, there's nothing wrong with country life. Just Yeah, no. Yeah. I would say try to keep all your teeth, but then to find out what actually happened to him is actually really sad. Oh, my God, Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So, I did actually read something a while back Do about... You know I fucking looked for it, though? I did look for it. I was like, who almost played Nick? And it was, so, like, just a bunch of adaptation interviews and shit. So, I read <laughs> someone who almost got the role... Russell Crowe. No. I don't know. I'm just... Because um, Hawking Phoenix and they uh, Okay, so the almost got the role of Charlie Kaufman, um, and I don't even remember reading why it, it didn't fall through. I just saw the name and was like, what the fuck? Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Okay, so a very well-known, <laughs> a very well-known person, but also sort of an average person. Hmm. Steve Buscemi? Who everyone loves. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do love Steve Buscemi. Not quite as average. Um, av- more average than Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi a little wild. He is, but I, in terms of like, are we talking average as person or looks? Like, what are we talking like about? Like a very, a very normal looking person who has played a variety of roles. Will Arnett. <laughs> no, <laughs> think, think someone who's been Jason in the biz, Bateman been in the biz longer. Uh, like even into the eighties. Oh god, uh, real big in the eighties, and it's still big now. Is it Christopher Lee? I don't know. I'm scared now. <laughs> There's too you wide of too a range. Far. You went too far. <laughs> it's too wide of a range. Um, probably well known for romantic comedies in the eighties. Ew! Wait, what? Okay, no, it's not. It's not Matthew McConaughey. No, 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 no. <laughs> in the eighties. In the eighties. Oh my god! Wait. Think who was big in the eighties? Um, uh, Matthew Broderick. No. Oh, God. He did do romance. I feel like I threw you off. Okay, I guessed too many. Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he could do it, but was it because of the hair? I don't know why. <laughs> I, and you say he could do it. I'm like, could he? He, I think he could. We all, we all watched Castaway. <sighs> could he say the line? Yes. Could he be Charlie Kaufman? I don't think so. Well, I have a fun fact that Nick said about... Fun fact. Being. Well, lead into it. So, <laughs> go. I'm so stunned by the Tom Hanks thing. <laughs> I don't. And you know what? When you said it, I was like 80s. Yeah, 90s. A lot of uh, 90s. Yeah. Well, and I was like, 80s was like big. The Burbs, Turner and Hooch, like a bunch of bunch of. That's like three. That's a lot. Uh, so just just before I get into your the follow up truly to that, uh, Nick Cage's brother Mark uh often stood in for. 
the twins. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Oh, let's see. Let me get to your thing. No, no, no. We'll stick with this. Sorry. Like she, she's, she's baiting me to go elsewhere, and I have a specific I'm so setup I'm here. I'm so sorry. Um. So actually, Charlie Kaufman never met Susan Orlean. In real life. In real life. He never could do it. He never actually met her uh, while writing the screenplay. He, the first time he met her in person was actually over a year into production um, when oh Susan visited the set. And Nick Cage actually introduced them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took me a minute. I was like, yeah. wait, what? Nick Cage introduced CK to S.O. <laughs> I started That's abbreviating. So cute. I know. Um, like and he said, the first again. thing that she said, <laughs> the first thing that she said is, you have no idea how embarrassed I am right now. To which Kaufman responded with, not embarrassed, as embarrassed as me before running off the set. <laughs> the two did not meet again for another year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Precious little shy I, I fucking love it. Um, let's see. Let's see. Nick was given. Oh yeah, this is actually really interesting. I, you sit through credits. I say fuck off. We're done mm -hmm. for most of the time, unless I look it up and say there's a credit scene. But Nick Cage is actually given completely separate credits for, for Charlie, Charlie and, Donald and Donald because yep. they do the credits by appearance. Appearance. Yep. Which I thought was really fun. That's really cool. It was a really fun one. Um, <laughs> this one's really fucking funny. But uh, Nick Cage's fat suit for Charlie was uh the belly was actually lentils that so they could like mimic the movements of like actual like you know like i guess cellulite or whatever but he sweated so much that some of the lentils sprouted <laughs> um, oh i have to i have to that's later um oh yeah during the movie spike jones was married to nick cage's cousin sophia what? Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola. Yeah, him and her and uh, her and Spike Jones were a thing. They oh probably my. met before. Anyway. Oh god. Um. So. Budding romances. I have some more, but I have to do it after. Okay. Um. I'm. I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm shaking. I know. You've got. Um, you said you didn't have a lot. You. That was. I a feel lot. like I have a lot actually. That was fake news. It's fake news. I, I. I fooled you. You did. Just like Charlie Kaufman fooled himself. Um, so these I got from YouTube. I had to dig through some interviews because some of them were th like a lot of the interviews are just them saying the same things. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like a lot of that. Um, so on a, uh, screen slam is the channel and the video. I can't remember the name of it. Actually. I just wrote down screen slam. If you look up adaptation, you'll find it. Um, Nick said, my sense of Charlie Kaufman is that he's a brilliant artist that is very passionate about his craft and very loaded with self-doubt insecurities mm -hmm. that compel him i think to re really dig a little deeper and free himself mm. which i was like perfection that's nick. that's charlie nick um doo -doo. <laughs> so this one's pretty great and we have a precedence on this one. Oh, i love precedences yes so nick interviewed charlie kaufman and filmed it like he likes to do, mm -hmm. he said he exhaustedly, like hours and hours, he had him go through emotions, how he reacted to certain things, so he could film it and like nah, and recreate everything, and uh, and obviously Charlie was thrilled when it was done because you know he's not like a let's hang out forever person. Right. Um, he ran away from Susan <laughs> Orlean. Um, 
And then whenever it was all done, it's like, cause his agreement, Charlie's agreement to let this happen was that you have to never show this to anybody. And mm -hmm. Nick was like, absolutely. Right. I will light them on fire the second I am done with them. And he's like, I took kerosene, blew it up. And if we recall, this is not the first time we've heard of Nick burning tapes of either himself or his interviewees um, with people or in his interviews with people. If you remember, he filmed himself while drunk yes. for leaving Las Vegas and then burned all the evidence, which I'm sure there's more that uh, that we don't know. about. <laughs> um, so when and Nick says of Charlie visiting the set, sometimes they they'd get into a paranoid place together where they were actually scrutinizing each other. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, and then so Nick would god, be like, "What a mindfuck!" I know, I know. So <laughs> Nick said he on those days he would like take Charlie out to lunch and be like, "Let's let's hang out," and they'd work through it. Uh, so they <laughs> they would like let's hang out and talk shit about yeah. each other. Um, so another you want one, a corn dog. And Nick said, of course, about the film. One of the greatest things about the film is that it's open to so many interpretations. That's true. And adaptations. Because mm. it's like the adaptation is a play on words almost right. with the movie. Like so much. Like like LaRoche gives a real quote about it. Mm -hmm. And him and Susan talk about adaptation and mm -hmm. like nature and how it applies to humanity. But like. He talks about it almost in a sexual way. No, yeah. Well, I wonder why. But yeah. also like, yeah, it's just like. At the same time, adaptation is like we're always constantly adapting to mm -hmm. something or trying to adapt something mm -hmm. to work for us. So I actually said that earlier things. in a book I was uh, listening to. I was like, it's assimilation and adaptation. You have to do this if you're going to be a part of something that you have You have to be a part of. You have to mm -hmm. assimilate somehow, and adaptation is one of them. Um, so another thing Nick said about Charlie after you know interviewing him all that time, he's like, he's a great actor. I was like, dang, all right. Um, and that came from this GQ interview of his bit best things. We've all mm, seen it. Yes. Um, <laughs> so this is actually really interesting. Um, and Spike Jones commented on this as well, where um, he would leave the filming. So they would have, like, this is what we're going to do today. But there, there was no, like, true strict rules about how things were going to go, especially with Charlie and Donald. Um, so Nick said that if he got up and he was in a good mood and he felt peppy, they'd start the day with Donald. Oh, and if sense. he got up and he was grouchy, they'd start the day with Charlie, which I, which I thought was That's fantastic. Yeah. And like, what kind of like freedom that is to not be like, well, I guess I'm doing Donald today. Yeah. I think that speaks to how understanding and creative Spike Jones mm -hmm. is to just mm -hmm. be, to understand that like, this is a process not only are you playing one character, you're playing two characters, and they're opposites. So we're gonna let you, you know, yeah. make those choices you woke to up. make the best, yeah, film possible. Yes, exactly. Um, so this is my last one mm. until we get to old Eb. <laughs> so Nick called it one of his most acrobatic challenges as a thespian, and isn't sure if he could do it again today. He I can see that. Oh, this is my own. This is my own note right here. Mm, uh, it's in the, all in the same interview. Um, but he said he's happy for Chris and Meryl for their Oscars, and he thinks. <laughs> but I wrote. I think he's a little put out by it, but because earlier in the same interview he mentions that he had double the dialogue of yeah. everybody else. Oh no, he even if he wasn't playing Donald. Yeah, he he as had well. double work because he was playing two versions and then had the of himself, but also voiceovers as well. And then he was like, "So it's great." 
It's fine. great they got those it's, rewards. It's, it's, it's fine. Here's yeah. the thing that, and this was my actual like little like personal knickknack kind mm. of thing. So I watched this when, so when I was in college, I had taken so much extra credits in high school that by my second year, like I did like the junior college mm-hmm. and then like switch over to yeah. university because it was, that's how my scholarships work. Um, and so by the second, so by my second year in junior college, like I had like, I had like one class I had to take. So I was just taking all kinds of random stuff. I took film class and that's when I started to like get into like all of these great cinematic like themes mm-hmm. and, you know, like we, we watched Nosferatu. We watched mm-hmm. Dr. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I was about to say, I know what you're saying. We watched Blade Runner. We watched Apocalypse Now, Seven Samurai, you know, all these films and like talked about like what made them so good kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of got me into paying attention to films. And then when I went to switch to university, they started a club of like current films. And Mm -hmm. that is how I saw adaptation with a group of like-minded people who just enjoyed films and Mm -hmm. wanted to talk a little bit more deeply about it. And in that same club... I also watched The Pianist. Pianist. With Adrian Brody. Great movie. Oh, Law, it is, it, it is it's, great, it's, but yeah. it is fucking hard to watch. Mm-hmm. I say it is more difficult to watch than Schindler's List, in my opinion. That's just me. I remember I, I, more of Schindler's List than I do. I know that Schindler's List was, was hard, but I feel like it was everybody's difficulty, as opposed to The Pianist, where it was one person's difficulty, and it just seemed more focused mm-hmm. in a way anyway when later i looked back at adaptation and then i started looking at like awards and stuff and i was like mm-hmm. what how did he, how did he not, not win? fucking win mm-hmm. i looked at the people who were oh, nominated who did win that year adrian brody <gasps> and i was insane. like you know what I'm, which hence the I'm, pianist I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry <laughs> but like i do they were like, both great they were both great I'm sure that was a hard choice. And I'm sure that was a hard choice. Because, uh, like, some of the other ones were, like, uh, Jack Nicholson for About Schmidt Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Gangs of New York. I know. Everybody's like, I love Daniel Day-Lewis. My eyeballs just went into the back of my head. And I was like, no, no, no. But I was like, oof. Yeah, that was a tough one. That's a hard choice. And and I, I feel like there was probably just more emotion with the pianist. To mm-hmm. kind of overcome that. I mean, I, I definitely don't like, th- like sweating his ass off so much asses because there's two, there's, there's four ass asses. <laughs> um, so much that he, he, he grew lentils, he grew sprouts, he grew, uh, he grew lentil sp- spruce, he sprouted for the smoothie. <laughs> I guess I'd just like to know how you can detach from something that you've invested so much of your soul in. I mean, didn't you ever miss turtles? The only thing that made your 10-year-old life worth living? Look, I'll tell you a story, all right? I once fell deeply, you know, profoundly in love with tropical fish. Had 60 goddamn fish tanks in my house. I skin-dived to find just the right ones. Anisotromus virginicus, Holacanthus ciliaris, Chaetodon capistratus, you name it. In one day I say, fuck fish. I renounce fish. I vow never to set foot in that ocean again. That's how much fuck fish. That was 17 years ago, and I have never since stuck so much as a toe in that ocean. And I love the ocean. We've already talked a lot about the things that we loved and kind of like 
where we were when we first saw this kind of thing. But one thing that I think is really important to point out is that there are so many themes to this film that aren't really new, but are still so relevant to most of us. We've all had that project or assignment or task that has towered over us. It's mm -hmm. shadow seemingly zapping out all of our ability and talent, just like Charlie. We've also all kind of experienced this shyness, this anxiousness that we we aren't even able to take risks. And mm -hmm. then we end up living our life in regret of what we should have done or what we should have tried um again like charlie but we also have that person in our life that seems to just blindly go through everything and come out just fine and not just fine but somehow even more successful than us because they did take these risks that we were too afraid to take and certainly we've all felt the hollowness in our lives i mean it's kind of a daily thing with social media because mm -hmm. we only post the best and we keep all the worst to ourselves so with with this, with that statement, follow up on that one, is um, I, I've seen a, a a string lately of like models or professional, you know, like I'm beautiful for a living or whatever, actually posting themselves as themselves. Like, here's me posing and here's me not posing. Mm -hmm. Here's me just relaxed. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, she's shaped like me. Yeah, we get on that pose. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> we're going to get that pose. And so in a way, this movie is insanely just like that. Like, he shows his pose, which is the amazingness of the script. Mm -hmm. And then he shows his, this is me without posing. The frumpiness, yeah. The fr and that's the incredible personal take about the whole movie. He's showing, he's showing so much more of himself in this script, in this screenplay, mm -hmm. than a lot of people ever show to anybody. Like, yeah. it's so deep. And when you really get to the end of it, but you think, you're thinking the whole time you're watching it, the first time, before you find out any information about it, you're like, oh, this is all fiction. That must be a fake book. And da 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 Because it seems like it could be, it could be a total work of fiction. Yeah. But it's a true story. Some of it's true, yeah. So, like, the, yeah. the struggle is true. The struggle is true. And parts of it with Chris Cooper's character, yeah. LaRoche, and with Meryl Streep, with Susan Orlean, are true. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's been embellished because it's a movie. Because and, that's also what we do. You that's know? also the, the what fish we have story. to do. We like, have to embellish. Big. Uh, yeah, I got a, a big fish, yeah. yeah. Love that movie. Um, oh, so good. But yeah, it's like it's it's doing exactly what we what we do daily. Exactly. We are like, hi, I'm smiling and I'm perfect, and then I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to take a fucking bra off. I know. Like yeah. I had to wear pants for an hour and I thought I, I was gonna die. Force myself to sit up straight all the time so I can like look better. That's that's and it's really so good. I hard. I haven't gotten to that yet. It's so, so and like I have to shove my shoulders backwards. <laughs> so Jeff likes to grill me like after we watch these films kind of thing where he's like, Oh, I, I <laughs> Oh now now he's a Nick uh, critic. <laughs> yeah. Well and he, he's like he he'll recognize, well that one was stupid, but this one was good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was like, Oh, adaptation. I love that movie. Uh -huh. And we were watching it and then halfway through he's like, um, like, okay, I'm just going to go Maybe play I games. I remember it differently. He's like, I'm just going to go. He, he asked a couple of questions. That's what I'm saying. Like, halfway through, it, then it starts where it's... So, he was like, I'm going to go play games. And then I kept watching. And obviously, like, halfway through, like, to the end, it gets a little bonkers. And then, so I... I he was like, just tell me how it ends. <laughs> and I did. And he was really fucking mad. He was like, what? what? And and I, I was... Uh, what? He's like, what? what? I was like... I, I can watch the ending again because I gotta fix the notes and stuff if you want. He was like, "Yeah, I thought I thought you come <laughs> get me if it was good." I was like, "No, that's not what you asked me to do. You no. said tell me how it is." He was like, ah. "So we watched it." Motherfucker, you English. I love you, Jeff. And and he he was you know like me like I 
as dark as this film is so much and depressing mm-hmm. as it is, there are elements of hope and even humor. And I definitely laughed, like, a lot. I think oh, I laughed yeah. more than I should have. And so did Jeff. And he doesn't always... I think always... I did, too, now, when I watched it. Like I said, I was too young when I yeah, watched it. Yeah, you were just a little baby. Um, a little baby. And, and so when it's over, Jeff was like, okay, what was the point of this movie? I mean, I was like, well, that's a big question. And he was like, well, you know, you're, you are saying the point of a lot of movies. He's Let's like, say, well, you know, there's only so many like, you know, like sort of morals or themes mm-hmm. or, or, or kind of thing. And I said, well, at the so end, it's got the, like 80. It's got so many. And I said, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is because it focuses on Charlie and his struggles is that I relate what well, we all can, yeah. I think, relate to it if we're honest with ourselves. And I said, you know, it, it's not the big victory. It's not the superhero who saves the day kind of story. Mm. It's this person who struggles with daily things, just taking those risks Mm -hmm. and becoming a little bit braver. Yeah. You know, like we all just have to step outside sometimes and have to be brave to be the person we're meant to be. Aww. It's like, oh, that's real deep. Aww. So anyway, that, that, and that's why I feel like, you can watch it, and you can see so many different things from it. As I was watching it, I was thinking one thing, and then as it continued, I was thinking like seventeen other yeah. things. So I was like, and that's the and not of a great not film. in a neurodivergent. Aaron's distracted and playing on her phone and watching <laughs> and a movie, reading two books. No, no, time. actually, I didn't. I, I didn't play a video game. I I'm didn't. So proud of you. I you should be. I try. I, you know, I did eat dinner. That's allowed. That's <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> Everybody needs to eat. Yeah. Nothing happens in the world. Are you out of your fucking mind? People are murdered every day. There's genocide, war, corruption. Every fucking day, somewhere in the world, somebody sacrifices his life to save somebody else. Every fucking day, someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. People find love. People lose it. For Christ's sake, a child watches a mother beaten to death on the steps of a church. Someone goes hungry. Somebody else betrays his best friend for a woman. If you can't find that stuff in life, then you, my friend, don't know crap about life. And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I don't have any use for it. I don't have any bloody use for it. It's time for the ratings, and as always, we try to start with old E.B. Oh, Roger Eber. Mr. E.B. Um, so, you know how he has his list? He has his, like, must-see-before-you-die mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. or his mm-hmm. top hundred whatevers. Yeah. A lot of times he's not wrong. He's got some good he, ones he on there. He does, it. he is. And I did look through this list I'm about to mention, and some of them I was like, mm, I don't know, Roger. I don't know, Roger. <laughs> I don't know. It's a huge so, list. It is. And, like, because he you saw, think like, about every how movie. many movies comes out mm-hmm. every year. Especially this year. And, and and we're talking about, like, films that have been around since the 1800s. So it's, yeah. like, years upon yeah. years of movies. There's a lot to watch. Y'all. And you know he's seen them all. Probably. Until he died. Yeah. You don't have to... <laughs> he has, maybe he watches them in his in his ghostly grave. Um, okay, so he included this in his great movies list, which you mm. can find on his website. Okay. And it isn't... You can sort it by recently came out, by, like, genre, I believe, as well. Or you could just scroll through all that shit, which is okay. what I did. Oh. And it's a lot. Um, 
so I went, I read through his uh, review and I found something that would make us smile. Aww. Yay. <clears throat> so in, before this paragraph, uh, he was discussing how Chris Cooper and Meryl Streep were amazing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this paragraph, it starts with, ahem, and Cage. There are often lists of great living male actor or male movie stars, De Niro, Nicholson, Pacino, usually. How often do you see the name of Nicolas Cage? He should always be up there. He's daring and fearless in his choice of roles and unafraid to crawl out on a limb, saw it off, and remain suspended in the air. No one else can project inner trembling so effectively. Oh, I love it. No, and like, so we've seen him lambasted on that site before. So right, like, and and sometimes it's not always <laughs> not always chipper. Always. Um, untrue so his uh the last quote i I took out of it because it was it was literally like how we do our review and he actually even says and that's just the lead up to the movie like (laughs) and i was like this is like ours i should just read this for the synopsis oh my god like we're Um, like him we're so good oh my god there were so many typos in this article though i was like roger Roger. It probably wasn't him. Roger. He probably had, like, some somebody Type it up it. for him, yeah. Um, so he said, he always seems so earnest. However improbable his character, he never winks at the audience. He's committed to the character with every atom and plays him as if he were him. I do 100% agree with that. Good job. So do you want to guess his rating? Yeah, I remember they do out of four. Four out of four. Nailed it. Yeah! Yeah! Because it's fucking amazing, it's great. Huh? What's it's your great. rating? Uh, five out of five. Five out of five for the movie. For the movie, yeah. And what honestly, Nicholas? And you know what's stupid? I went into this trying to remember what how I when I was such a youth and saw it, and I hate like I tried to love it because I was like I'm gonna be artistic and like this movie. And I was like I can't, I can't get behind this. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to. I, I feel need... so weird because I feel like we're only four or five years off, and somehow I was. I it took me a while to appreciate good shit. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Including <laughs> no, music. Ringo's like, you've never heard this song before? I have to play it for you. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> and I'm then sorry, he plays it. in a trash like, can for a little like, while. Hey, well, he showed me Death Becomes Her, and I'm like such a fucking idiot yeah. for not having seen it before. I mean, you are, but thank God. He also you showed have... me Earth Girls Are Easy. Earth Girls Are uh, Easy. Thank God you have Ringo and me. I know. You guys are so good to me. <laughs> um. So, uh, movie five, Nick, Cinematic Cage, of course. Obviously. And five. And the Oscar goes to... Nicholas... Kim, Kim Coppola Cage. Cage. Yay. You yeah, got um, our Oscar, Nick. Um, also, I 100% agree with you. 1,000% <gasps> agree. Yeah. Five out of five on the movie. Five out of five. Um, like... I mean, it's a it's it's a cinematic. We cage. should do something every time we agree on on something no, like we, like we confetti drink. or we drink. We drink. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, he played it's doubles, as he pointed out. That was really hard. It was an acrobatic feat as and a thespian. It's, it's two opposites, but they also mesh so well. It's not like two opposites mm-hmm. that feel like two opposites. Mm-hmm. They somehow flow together. I think how like, give, really like Spike Jones giving him that, well, however you feel is whoever we're going to start with today, mm-hmm. you know? And... But it, I find it interesting that he threw all his instincts out the window and followed Spike Jones like, implicitly. Which is so interesting to me. And then, but he also gave him a freedom as well. You know what I mean? I think that's the, the, the sign of it's a like good the give and take. relationship. Yeah. Where it's like, this is how I envision it. And it, 
it's not to say that anyone is more powerful than the other. Everyone will see it differently, but the purpose of the director is to pull it all together. So mm -hmm. I do feel like in a way, like as a director, I should be able to be like, Aaron, I need you to calm down because mm -hmm. what you're not seeing because you're going full, like whatever mm -hmm. in your role is that it has to match all of this stuff. And I'm sure that's really hard. He and probably... I do understand wanting to give somebody like Nick free reign because mm -hmm. Nick it's fucking Nick. cage. Woo! But like, <laughs> man, we were really good on that one. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with the Coen brothers. They, they have a very specific thing mm -hmm. that they are looking for and they need it to fit into this film that they're trying to make. It's... And I can see that for sure. And, and with something like this where Nick gives up such... Mm -hmm. A lot of his own personal, like, oh, this is what I want to do. That means, at least as I read into it, that he and the director were very, like, copacetic and simpatico yes. on the whole thing. Because For you sure. know Nick, you know Nick, whenever he doesn't agree with somebody and they don't let him do his thing, he's like, he has very nice ways to say, it kind of sucked and I was, like, was, yeah. I was curtailed he's, in my career. He's very much, I hope this email finds you well. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> He, I, he had nothing negative to say about it. Meryl and Chris had nothing negative to say about anybody on the film. And it's a good sign. It, exactly. Which, if, if everybody says that everything great and everything came out perfectly, where's his fucking Oscar, Hollywood? Because <laughs> he, he went against Adrian Brody playing the know. piano with Nazis. I know. That's not about But he played himself in two different personalities. And he basically was like... He was the personification of a neurodivergent on screen. No, I know. It, a, a, a depressive person. And I'm like, that is my brain some days. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I think... I need, think we need I to think, rewind on the Oscar. It's been 20 years. I, I think, think we get to if one. being John Malkovich had not come out... It's only a few years before this. It was only a few years, but I don't want to say that those two films are the same because they're not at all. Mm -hmm. But the idea of going so weirdly and deeply into the thoughts of someone else and mm -hmm. like how those affect other people, like those ideas are both present in those films. Mm -hmm. So adaptation is very different, but I feel like it maybe got lumped in with that. Gotcha. And, yeah. then, and then you have, you I know, see. like sort of based on a true story kind of thing and it's yeah. a tragic story. So that's going to have a lot of pull as mm. well. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. But also, like, the pianist is really... Is I own that really movie, too. And weirdly, I liked it better than Adaptation. See? At there the time. Go. There you I, go. I, bought, I worked at a movie store, so I yeah. got this guy. I bought everything new. Yeah. 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 I buy everything used now. Now, we have reached that time of the love-hate relationship of our mm -hmm. podcast, Cajun Roulette. It's my turn. <laughs> it's your turn. If you, like, I just posted the video of me going off on a wild tangent where I was like, fuck this, I hate this so much. Um, and Aaron was like, well, you know, boom. So we're going to see if the well we you know. Places somehow. We're going to see if the well you know. Okay. Oh, wait, so, I have to do the back pop of luck. Yeah, you got to, like, go all the way back. <sighs> because <laughs> my chair made so many noises. No, I. You got to let out all the demons. Uh, we had a really good one. I I would like it to not even be good, bad, good, bad. Just, I would like to just be have a couple of good ones because like we had a couple of bad of good ones. Good consciousness. Um, in a row. So it's on Renfield. That would be amazing. Ooh, I just watched it like I've watched it like five times. <laughs> it's so great. Okay. Um. All right. So I'm hitting spin. 
and it is Nicholas positive Cage. vibes only. Nicholas Cage, Lord above us. <laughs> Here we okay. go. <laughs> it is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh my god, two good ones. I mean, it's because I wore these earrings, you guys. Oh, I just. <laughs> I got these it got earrings. Wild, y'all. <laughs> we got wild, y'all. We got wild. So sorry. I got these <laughs> earrings uh, at there's decaf, Pedro. a local um, and there's Nick. zine. This <laughs> is so exciting. You can't even I'm tell. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we got some amazing earrings. I will be wearing mine for the next episode. Nick, uh, fan at a local event. I will have to get her involved. We'll tag all of those as well. So episode 10 Two for two, some good yes! ones. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Can I, we please dress as them? I asked for this. <laughs> asked. I'm Pedro. Okay, I'll be Nick. Cause yes. I mean, cause you're taller and he's shorter. I mean, that's true. I mean, I I, I got to get rid of. I mean, as far as my pink hair, I'm I'm ready for sympathy for you the just, devil. You can just do. You that's can it. Put a wig on. <laughs> what is that? I can wear a robe if you want me to be Nick. <laughs> it's hideous. I can't wait. I'll give you $20,000 for it. Anyway, so. I have it on Blu-ray. Yay. Uh, <laughs> ooh, it's been a, it's a good summer. I'm Nick fucking Cage. Woo! We've made it to the end of yet another film journey with Nick and Out of the Cauldron. Remember to like us and rate us wherever you listen to the show. And like and follow us on social media such as Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at The Internal Cauldron. You can also shoot us an email at internalcauldron at gmail.com. We're always interested in drink recipes, potential guests, and your ideas. We would love to hear from you. Thank you all for joining us on this Nick experience. And as always, in Nick we trust. Please enjoy these fun moments of us preparing for our super professional, 100% authentically researched podcast. I haven't podcasted in a while. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to even talk to you. Spodcast will be spodcast. This unavailable. Spodcast. Oh, spodcast will be unavailable. That's when I was good. That's what like the kids would be like. But that's when I was going to do my homework. This was when it was down. No, don't fucking lie. Oh my god, Goodreads is down the other day, and Alana and I were like, "Fucking hell, how am I supposed to update my progress? Ah. Our lives are." Like, like now only, the thing is when when something goes down it's like we're all like ah! it's, and they they were like it's only gonna be down a few hours and it was supposed to be just overnight like on like our time zone pretty much mm. and it wasn't it was like most of the next day <laughs> everybody oh was like all the little bookies and were it like started dying. no but then it started working randomly like I was able to add Kristen as a friend but then it wouldn't let me look up a new book and I was like ah. <laughs> it was like that's like the most isn't goodreads like to track what you read not yeah to, it's not like a it's kind of like the facebook of reading mm. no it is tracking what you read that's how i keep yeah that's what i mean bullshit. like but not like a reading app within itself like kindle or whatever correct correct got it but it has like links for like if you want to what is fucking what i don't know i I, I read it leave it me alone leave, leave it, it me alone <laughs> we this is gonna be a good episode oh shit <laughs> oh, we're gonna speak english is good so good <laughs> i'm real good at it